listener. Hello and welcome to this episode of What's Under the Bonnet, the What Report. New, refreshed, revived, ready for a big year in 2024. She has, quote unquote, recharged the batteries. Hello, Nadine Armstrong. Uh, hello, hello. How there. are you? Oh, of course. <laughs> I love your dad jokes. They're so bad. Uh, we've got our, we need the big news intro for our first guest. Very, very special. You kind of, the sound I'm looking for is something like you'd find at the six o'clock nightly news for the big networks. Hello and welcome for 2024 to our ace producer, Kelsey Menzies. How are you? I'm good, guys. Hit us with the news. What's happening? What's happening? It's 2024 and what a better way to start it off than with a parliamentary inquiry into the EV <laughs> transition. It's very exciting stuff. <laughs> So the inquiry comes after sales of EVs in Australia increased by 161 percent in 2023 compared to 2022, which I think shocked the government a little bit into action. Is this a step in the right direction, or is it a, a little too little, too late? What do you guys think? Uh, any action is good, isn't it? I, th- I think as long as the inquiry ends up in some actual action, which I believe it is, that you know these inquiries are going to build, you know, the EV-related national strategy, which is what we're all really after. So I think it's good. I'm trying not to sound like a critic here. I'm over discussion. I want action. Just in delving into this story that Kelsey's talking about, I'm particularly interested in how it might help manufacturing in Australia. I mean, it'd be great to think that um, more businesses are supported or that we see more businesses propping up around EV componentry, batteries and so on. And end of life is the other big one for me. What happens to disposal, safety, those things I'm okay with an inquiry on, but we have so many available in the marketplace already. We're already on the go. Can we just Stop wasting money on talk and get on with it. I'm off the soapbox now. (laughs) (laughs) You you say that. The submissions are in at the moment. There's about four stages to this, of course. Submissions from the industry and public are being asked for right now. And then the next step is looking at that. But it's good to see that they're also talking to outer regions. This is not just a city-based problem, as we Mm. know. So I look forward to seeing what comes from it. And I'm glass half full. Written, spoken, and authorised by Minister Nadine Armstrong. Right back to you, Kelsey. What's our What's our next headline? Come on. Well, guys, speaking of an increase in sales, in the same month that Tesla's Model Y was named Europe's best-selling car in 2023, and that includes ICE wow. vehicles, a huge achievement. Mm. BYD actually dethroned Tesla as the largest manufacturer of electric vehicles globally. So in the last three months, BYD sold 520,000 fully electric vehicles in comparison to Tesla's 480,000. We know China has invested really heavily in EVs that's now counting for up to 40% of their exports. So is Tesla's reign coming to an end? Is this the end of the Tesla? I don't think Tesla's reign's ever going to come to an end, but I can't tell you the amount of people that are asking me about BYD. It is literally mm. like on like top of mind for EV buyers is the BYD and it's the fact that the product is here and it's affordable. They're coming and the look and shape is perhaps more appealing. The technology keeps improving what they're, what they're building there. For me though, I think there is always going to be some real passion around the Tesla brand that exists from its longevity in this space, the kind of very loyal 
customers that they've been able to put their arm around. And I don't think that'll go away in a complete hurry. I think the great news there is that as they battle for market dominance, you know, we all benefit buyers. The competition is surely, surely going to bring prices down. If it is affordability that EVs are looking for, then maybe they should actually be looking out for Stellantis because they have made a Mm. huge investment in cheaper, Mm. safer sodium iron batteries. Now, sodium iron batteries are essentially the same as lithium iron. They're made in a very similar way. You're just replacing lithium with sodium. The only disadvantage is they don't have as high as an energy capacity as lithium iron, but they are safe. So is sodium iron the way of the future? What do we think? I mean, every manufacturer clearly has their own way of of building engines. Batteries are, are very much the same, aren't they? We're going to keep exploring this stuff. I think it's good to note that, you know, Stellantis is no small player. We're talking Alfa Romeo, Jeep, Peugeot, Fiat. Like, so, you know, a lot of products that are really good, they're on the Aussie roads. So I think it's, you know, something to keep an eye on. And it's it's not happening quickly by any means, you know, and the, the batteries, I think they're being used in power tools initially to understand how they work. And like you say, they're going to be much cheaper, but potentially a shorter shelf life. So, you know, there there are pros and cons there, aren't there? Well, could a sodium iron battery tow a caravan <laughs> all the way around Australia? What on is this sales? story? <laughs> well, look, I can't speak for sodium iron batteries, but one Perth family is putting their electric SUV to the test on a mission to become the first Aussie family to tow a caravan in an electric vehicle around Australia. So I think it's time we kind of put this end of your weekend chat, put it aside because these people are proving it very wrong. Why has Chevy Chase sprung into my mind and the vacation (laughs) soundtrack, the McLennans? I shouldn't be so disrespectful. I hope they're having an amazing trip. This is a huge thing they're embarking on here. I, I think it's, they're in a Kia EV9. They'll spend nine months going around Australia. They know that there's a maximum kind of range of about 270Ks between charging stations, but they're they sound, from what they've said in this yarn, they sound pretty confident they can do this. Yeah, absolutely. They're all over it. And they're, they're really focused on the sustainability of their whole trip as well. So they're, you know, relying on solar for charging things in their van. They've made aero modifications to the van. So it's, you know, more economical. So, you know, they seem really positive and I can't wait to sort of hear more about their journey. I think it's a, a really great way to show people what's possible in an EV. Holiday road. Join me, can you? Come, you're not singing with me. It's going to leave me totally hanging there, aren't you? Totally hanging. Vacation, Chevy Chase. I actually don't know that song. <laughs> oh, what? Did you just call That's Rusty an old? Age thing. Very good. Oh, forgive me, folks, for the terrible singing. That is it for our news for today. Well done, Kelsey. Thank you. You've survived another episode. Time to catch up with our good buddy, senior editor Fian Tour, to find out what's been happening in the market with EVs. Hyundai's all-new Kona electric small SUV arrives in showrooms, Toyota's first EV lands in Australia, and an Aussie-designed electric ute shows up in Las Vegas. Salutations, everyone. Senior editor Fian Tor here with what's new on the EV market. First up, Hyundai's second-generation Kona electric small SUV has started rolling into dealerships, priced from $54,000. That makes it cheaper than its predecessor, which is pleasantly surprising in today's market. Entry-level models come with a 48-kilowatt-hour battery pack, good for a 370-kilometre range. And you get loads of fruit too, including twin 12.3-inch digital screens in the cabin. 
add another $4,000 and you'll upgrade to the extended range Kona Electric, which has a bigger 65 kilowatt hour battery, enabling a 500 kilometer range. Next up, I can confirm one of the most anticipated EV launches, well, ever, is imminent now that the Toyota BZ4X has officially touched down on Aussie terra firma. We obtained spy photos of the Toyota EV arriving in Port Adelaide this month, and although it won't break any records for performance or innovation, it is hugely important for one reason and one reason alone. It's the first EV from Australia's leading car brand. Expected to be priced at around $66,000, it has a 71 kilowatt hour battery pack and a range of around 470 kilometers with the dual motor version and up to 510 kilometers with a single e-motor. Expect it to be in showrooms before mid-year. Now, here's something a little left field. An electric ute with an Aussie connection has emerged at the world's biggest consumer electronics show in Las Vegas. Vietnamese automaker VinFast revealed the electric ute at CES this month, which was designed by a small Aussie automotive studio called GoMotive. The Melbourne-based studio has shown what it can do with this new concept, which is wild. Actually, that's the name of the pickup, the VinFast Wild Concept. Apart from its size, similar in length to a Toyota Hilux, no other details have been revealed, but the interior and exterior designs look epic. Check out the car sales app or website for all the visuals. Now, sports car fans rejoice. Mazda has confirmed an all-new electric sports car is coming. Dubbed the iconic SP, details are scarce, but we do know that it will be a small sports car with an electric motor and a petrol-powered rotary range extender. The announcement was made by Mazda's global CEO, Katsuhiro Moro, who said, and I quote, it's a solution that fits the times. Lastly, photos of BYD's electric pickup truck have been spotted in China almost completely undisguised, confirming that the Ford Ranger rivaling electric ute is ready to rock. BYD has said the ute will be tested in Australia this year, ahead of its sales launch later in 2024. That's because Australia is a key ute market. And that's what's current in the EV market. Thanks for that, Fian. Always so much to talk about in uh, the marketplace, and we update that every month for you here. Time to meet an EVR. This uh, little segment has taken off. So thank you to everybody who's been either emailing or sending us a DM. If you would like to come on the show and tell us about your love, your passion for EVs, what's in the garage, what your daily drive is and so on, and why you made the switch over, hit us up and we'll get you on a future episode today because it's a properly national show. It knows no bounds what's under the bonnet. We're going to take you all the way to South Australia and we say welcome to the show. Jai Nankerville, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. You are a self-confessed EV lover. Where the heck did that come from? Well, I knew that EVs were this thing that other people had and knew nothing about them. I came across uh, an EV event that was on and thought, yeah, let's go to that one. I got to test drive an electric car and it was so much better than I could have imagined. I thought, I have to get one of these. Uh, so I did a 2012 Nissan Leaf. The uh, dealer was quite surprised when we were trading in a, an even newer hybrid car for an electric one that was older. They thought we were mad, but absolutely loved it and don't regret that. You must be a Nissan Leaf expert, are you, at this stage? 
I would like to think so. <laughs> uh, there are definitely people who know more than me. The reason I picked the Nissan Leaf was it was pretty much the cheapest car at the time. I, I didn't have a whole lot of money on me. And then I decided to move to Victoria uh, where I, I met my wife. And the problem with the Nissan Leaf, great car as it is, it's only got a 100 kilometer range. And uh, most of you who live in Australia know Victoria is more than 100 kilometers away. So the car wasn't coming with me and, you know, the parents still needed a car. So I left that behind, got to Victoria and thought, going to need another car. So I went for the cheapest car I could find, which was a Nissan Leaf. <laughs> my wife had a petrol car there and I, I wasn't too keen on the petrol cars at that point. I quite liked my electric. We definitely need two cars. And so we decided to go all out and buy a car with bigger range. So I started looking at upgrades. My requirements were something with a lot of tech in it because I love technology and tinkering. And I'd heard about self-driving cars. So I wanted a car that could do some level of self-driving so I could tinker with it and see what the technology was capable of. And would you believe the cheapest car that could do Victoria to South Australia and had self-driving was a Nissan Leaf. <laughs> <laughs> Jai, I'd love to just quickly go to your time driving as an Uber driver. What sort of conversations, because I'm guessing that was probably in the early days when there weren't many Ubers that were EVs. Did you have good conversations with people around that? I'll be honest, most people didn't even notice the difference uh, <laughs> from the inside and even from the outside. It just looks like a regular car. The moment people went from, oh, yeah, it's just an ordinary car to, wait, is this electric? Was if I had to do something unusual like accelerating hard into traffic to, to get into that gap and they'd notice the power of the car and, wait, that's quiet. And I get to explain to them what an electric car was and they'd all go away a lot more excited for the future. Can we blend a couple of the aspects of the conversation here that you've covered? What about vehicle-to-grid charging? Are you, are you a, a fan of that? All right. So this one is a very new technology. At its most basic, your electric car has a pretty big battery in it. And it'd be nice if you could take the energy out of the car when you need it. Say there's a, a power cut or something, you can just plug your car into your house and suddenly your house has power again. Uh, so I thought, you know, I've got three electric cars and also had a house battery at that time. And I was really annoyed when we had, you know, high prices and, you know, long days without solar. Why can't I tap into that car's battery? And so I had a look for it and there was a company called Jet Charge, which said they were the official reseller of the only approved uh, vehicle to grid charger in Australia. So I contacted them and they said, no, we don't have any available. I thought, okay, I'll try contacting the manufacturer and uh, they don't respond. I was just minding my own business and received uh, an email from Jet Charge saying, we found a charger available, uh, willing to give it to anyone who has a Nissan Leaf and can install the charger fairly soon. And I don't think I have ever applied to an email as quickly <laughs> as that. I think it was about two weeks later, we got the charger installed. As the box said, it has absolutely been a game changer. So you're actually, on that basis, you're making money by selling the energy you've made via solar, stored in the car, and then you've, you've sold it back to the grid. Absolutely. So one other sort of piece of the puzzle that came in there is uh, an energy provider called Amber. So a lot of your energy providers will buy from the grid at whatever grid prices are, and they'll sell to you at a fixed rate. Amber does things a bit different where they buy from the grid 
at the grid price and then they pass that price directly onto you. The grid price changes every five minutes uh, and it's sort of based on supply and demand. So in the middle of the day when there's a lot of solar going on, your price might drop to below 10 cents a kilowatt hour. Uh, in South Australia where we've got loads of solar, I've seen the price even below zero. So on some days I'm actually getting paid to take energy from the grid to charge my car. And then on the flip side, in the evenings when solar's gone down and there's a, a lot of demand on the grid when everyone's cooking, price can go up a fair bit more than your average you're paying. So I might be getting paid 20 or, or 30 cents a kilowatt hour to export energy. So in that sense, it's really worth having a massive battery to be able to charge all of the solar and then just send it to the grid later when the prices are higher. It's so fascinating. I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast would be EV owners. So what are the, some of the things that sort of excites you that you would like other people to know about owning an EV and this kind of stuff that, you know, extends further into your household as well? Owning an EV is, is kind of like the, the gateway drug into your, your energy <laughs> independence. You buy the EV because it's just a better car or, or maybe because you wanted the lower maintenance cost. And then you start thinking, how can I power the car? Because I don't have to go to a petrol station anymore. Uh, me personally, I don't think I've used a, a rapid charging station in months because I can just plug it in at home and it's so much more convenient. And then you get to, you know, could get solar to charge. And if I got the solar, maybe I'll get a house battery. And, <laughs> and then, yeah, it goes to the whole vehicle to grid setup and how can I get more money from that? And then you get to Amber. And if, if for me, it's just gone out of control to how much can I do with this? And uh, yeah, since, since all of these upgrades, the house is completely off gas, um, switched over to electric and haven't looked back. And the house battery has been enough to take us overnight. So we'll run the house off solar in the day, run off the battery overnight. Uh, but with the car battery, we could run the house for two or three days off the power in that. The car was very much the start of that. It is exciting to see what could be in the pipeline for Aussie EV drivers when you consider the lengths you've gone to or the way that you have you have gone about this. What excites you the most about the future of electric vehicles? Now, I'm very much going out on a limb here and guessing, so don't take my word for it. But I wouldn't be surprised if we started seeing the, the vehicle to grid move from the charging side, where it's currently ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 for a charger, into the car, where the technology is already there, so no extra cost. You might be getting $1,000 vehicle to grid instead of 10000 in the future. It's just sort of putting all the technology together that's already there. And unfortunately, that's not easy. Jai, I love this journey that you have been on. And I love that you've stuck with the Nissan Leaf as well, to be honest. I think that you know, that car has evolved, but it feels like buying an EV has just been sort of the tipping point for you to look at your consumption, I guess, in every part of your life. And I really love that you have completely embraced EV life in every aspect, it sounds like it. Uh, I've even started doing some sort of automation side of things. There's a, a free program called Home Assistant, I can watch the energy prices in real time. I can see how much solar the power is being generated, how charged my car is and where the energy is going to and from, all on just one page on my computer or phone. And the automation for that is on its way. So if there's a high price spike, your battery just starts exporting and you don't even have to touch it. 
if the prices go negative or, or really low prices during the day and there's not enough solar, your battery gets topped up. So it really is a set and forget thing. And Amber is investigating doing that for cars as well. As the only customer in Australia who wants that at the moment and can do it, it's uh, not exactly in high demand. But they're, they're aware that it's going to be a future thing. And so they're, they're looking at it. Unbelievable. You're so well uh, versed in this subject. So thank you very much for coming on What's Under the Bonnet today and telling us a bit more about it. Some great insights there. Oh, thank you. Hey, uh, we're nearly out of time. Next month. No more singing? Next month. No more singing. <laughs> <laughs> next month we're going to talk novated leasing. Can you crunch numbers? Are you good at number crunching? Yeah. No, I can't. That's why we're getting the experts on. And we're going to be posing that question. You know, is, is novated leasing the answer? Is it the hope that aspirational EV drivers are looking for or is it just hype? We'd love you to join us for that conversation as well. And before we go today, a big thanks to all of you who listen. We've had a, a bit of feedback, some numbers and so on. We've had one of our best months ever with the podcast, and that is because of you good people who listen, who share, who tell your friends about the show and so on. So thank you very much uh, from us to you for doing that. If you've got a topic idea, if you've got a little question, something that's bugging you that you don't know about in the EV space, hit us up and we'll endeavour to tackle it in a future episode. On behalf of producer Kelsey, Nadine and all of our team, we'll catch you next time. Bye for now. Listener.